Damon looks like such a fucking dork in this first scene. Sorry, I'm rewatching. <laughs> now, I at first I thought this was Caraxes and Cyrax flying around. I think Sea Smoke, smoke. and Melly's. One of them was definitely it's, it's red. Melly's, right? Melly's, the Red Queen, the Red. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Oh, All right. I, look, this is going to happen a lot. <laughs> this is this is Dragon Castle. I'll have to get better at it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Vassals of Kingsgrave. For the fifth episode of the HBO series House of the Dragon, uh, entitled We Light the Way, I believe. My name is Adam, also known as Drowned Snow on the Discord and the forums and all the various things. And today, I am joined by a crew of vassals, and we're going to introduce them one at a time here and get their thoughts on the episode. So let's start with Bing. Bing, what did you think? Hey, Shushiner on the Once Upon a Time forums. Uh, yeah, no, this episode is awesome. I love it. Uh, uh, 4.75? I mean, I could just give it a 5, honestly. It's, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of action at the end. It, obviously, it's a wedding episode, so somebody has to die. Um, to be honest, it's pretty tame for general uh, verse weddings, considering. Um, but yeah, no, this is, it's a lot of fun stuff to dig into. Very juicy. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think they, they probably were looking for a wedding episode, which don't have many opportunities. So we got the red wedding, purple wedding. This will probably be the green wedding, right? Um, that makes sense. I'm going to run out of color soon. Yeah, that's right. We've got to keep mixing it up. <laughs> All right. Uh, Casey, what did you think? Hey, this is Casey, Blue-Eyed Queen on the internet. Um, so I, I think this is like one of my favorite episodes so far, although I'm pretty um, honestly just happy with the show overall. So I might be, you know, I'm overall just very happy with everything. But anyways, <laughs> um, the, with the show today, um, I thought that um, everything was great. I really enjoyed the wedding. I really enjoyed the conversation. I... I um, never want to see um, what uh, Sir Christian did to uh, What's-His-Face ever again, because that was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> um, and yeah, we all, we love a good wedding in, in the Thrones world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Katie, what about you? Uh, I will give it a five out of five. Um... The money is on the screen, you guys. My God, it just the show looks so good and is just so well put together every week. Um, yeah, I really don't have any any complaints about it. I thought the scene of Viserys in his throne room, or rather his bedroom, talking with Lionel Strong was profoundly sad. Um, I, I mean, Damon coming in at the end just made me fucking laugh because I was like, oh yeah, I guess he was it this wedding question mark i don't remember um yeah we can go scene by scene but i just i have i have no marks i thought like it it took an enormous like an enormous amount of character complexity and 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 shit to wrap up before we do the time skip and did it really elegantly i was impressed 
Yeah, I had I had some concerns if they would have been able to do that or not, and I think this episode kind of alleviated my concerns as well. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think? Uh, Four point five. Uh, like you said, I think they got everything to a good place where they can't do the time skip. Uh, yeah, just like the sets, the costumes, it was great. Uh, you know, like going uh the route they did with Kristen Cole. I have a few nitpicks, but like no serious, like fundamental level com- complaints. All right, and uh, Mihal, what are uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I don't like to give anything a five point five, but oh, sorry. Also, I'm in Kaz right now on the internet. Um, I, I I I mean, this is this is very close. If it's not a five point five, it's one of those episodes where it's like I hate what happens. Like you see your voice at the beginning, and I'm like, I want a show about you, please. Um, and you know what's going to happen. And like, I hate what happens to her, and I hate what happens to uh you know joffrey and and all the horrible you know machinations that are that are devolving around everyone it's really a miracle they survived to 10 years later um but i mean it's just so well done it's so sumptuous like the dancing and like the way the you know the wedding not not the wedding but i guess the <laughs> the welcome feast is is filmed where it's so crowded and you can tell that it's hot and nobody really knows what's going on. And it's just like this, like every, every time Rhaenyra's in screen, there is someone that she has either fucked or is going to fuck in the future with her, either like dancing with her or to the side or something. <laughs> it's just so, it's so well-framed. Um, probably definitely my least favorite Damon episode. Like this was the first time I was like, Ugh, I really don't like you. Um, but I, I mean, it, I, I this show feels like a little bit of a miracle to me. It's like I, it's incredible that we get something of this production quality that is also, I think, paying really close attention to the themes of you know family and legacy and all that shit that George loves to to you know bring out through his stories. Yeah, I think they're uh, manufacturing some Damon haters tonight for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Juicio's in the house with us. Uh, wh- what do you think? Talk to me, King. What do you think? Hey, Ben here, Juicio. Uh, I don't. I, I'm probably like a four point five to a five. It's a really good episode. Um, honestly, I know that we're like supposed to feel like we've reached this like conclusion. But I just want more with like uh, Emma Darcy and, and Millie Alcock and everybody here. Um, like more time with Lena, great actress. Um, I, I really think uh, this episode. I wasn't expecting a lot of the things that happened in it, but um, I think it it, it definitely delivered, uh, especially with Viserys. Viserys. You still you're feeling the degradation now in full, and it's it's pretty nasty to see. Um, I'll agree. I don't know who who said it, but uh, the scene with him and um, Lionel right after his collapse was was really really good. I, uh, we got a mention of Orwell there uh, as well in that, and I really like it. Uh, but yeah, as a whole, really enjoyed this episode. Really enjoyed the wrap up, but at the same time. 
I just want more with all these people. Oh, fuck Damon. <laughs> Strong take, good words. Uh, yeah, Viserys is gross. <laughs> For sure. All right, and uh, joining us, we have uh, from Wolfcast, um, Hannah is here, and also she's going to be a guest dragon today, so maybe that makes her like the Song of Ice and Fire. I don't know. Tell me what you think. <laughs> hey, it's uh, Shadow Baby on the interwebs, Wing Shadow on the Discord, due to scheduling conflicts. I've jumped ship for the night, so thank you guys for having me. Um, I am actually going to give this an unprecedented... 4.5. This is my favorite episode so far. I think they did a really amazing job throughout the wedding scene. That whole sequence of really building the tension um, without being completely on the nose about it. And I wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen. So I always like that when I'm a little bit like, I think when the credits came on, I was like, what the fuck was the exact words? So um, I was really excited to finally start to feel like I'm enjoying this story. I'm deducting half a point for um, Matt Smith is just still really not doing it for me. I wish they brought the actor back that played Viserys II from the main series. I think he would have done a better job at the role. Um but I really loved Lady Rhea. She was serving me like Asha Greyjoy realness. And I'd love to see her back in one of the other like prequel series that they're trying to do. In just the short time she was on screen, I really connected with her. So that was fantastic casting. Um, but yeah, all in all, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was well-paced, brilliantly shot. And I am looking forward to the next episode. Awesome. And I think I will say, yeah, Lady Rhea, I think we mentioned this in the Discord, like she was giving off like heavy, like Mira Reed vibes kind of. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> the, episode, true, yeah. the episode opened and I'm like, oh, Austin. I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to last very long. Um, that's okay, I guess. Um, yeah, so I will, uh, you know, I'm going to go out on another. We just watched the episode. It's fresh in our minds. We're sitting down here talking about it. I'm going to give it the five out of five. I don't usually do that. But, you know, it's a provisional five out of five, I guess I'll say. I'll watch it again later this week and see if my mind changes. But I feel like uh, this was kind of the key transitional episode because we know we're going to have the time skip in the next episode. And I was so worried, like, they have so much to do. And they kind of cut some corners and they skipped some things. And they just kind of the way they made everything, all the major beats work and feel good. And, and now I feel like, yeah, we can jump 10 years. We got the basic groundwork going and the preview for next episode. Um, uh, you know, I think we're going to see Vagar look like, uh, like, yeah, I was just, I, I just thought they did a great job. Uh, there were a lot of good moments that we're going to talk about and I was engaged the whole time and, um, yeah, I loved it. Uh, why don't we start off? We're going to do the first bat few batch of scenes here. Let's see. Um, yeah. So we'll start with Damon murdering his wife, sort of. Um, I, well, yeah, he does in the end, I guess. Yeah, he's he absolutely not, not sort of. You don't need a caveat. Though. Right, right, yeah. right. He well, absolutely I, murdered the fuck out of his wife. So I, I wasn't sure whether or not he intended her harm or not at first. Um, and then he when the horse just... fell over, it was like convenient. And then he finished the job. So you know, yeah, for just once he finished your spine back in alignment. <laughs> we don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she yeah, because she was like, oh, I didn't think you could finish, and then that pissed him off, and. 
But I mean, I'm like, well, if he wasn't there to kill her, then what else was he there for? I don't know. It's nice how Damon's impotence is known the realm over. <laughs> Even by his wife, who he's never touched. <laughs> well, she said they haven't consummated. That doesn't mean they didn't try. Well, and she made it out like it was her. Um, it was on her part, like that she was not interested, or maybe she. She it might be she's not interested now. Maybe they tried at some point, or she wanted him at some point, but she made it out like she would have nothing to do with him anyway. So I thought that was interesting. I think it's that because you know, like, I mean, it's just like how much, how many insults about like you know, you look worse than a sheep. Can you can one person actually take, even if it is like you know, out of like feudal obligations and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it could be something he said before he met her, or just like because he wasn't really interested in the whole marriage, and then it got back to her, and they just it's never. It's Damon. Had a I think it's yeah. Damon. I think he said it to her face. Ah, oh, but that's uh, what an asshole. Because like, yeah. Anyway, because that's obviously not true. So whatever. Fuck, fuck Damon. This episode. Also, just I mean, it seems weird to me that like they wouldn't try to consummate it at all. Like if if they didn't, that I don't know. Like. It's a very public thing. Right. Like I, I, yeah, the prince of the realm, who was currently who was at the heir at the time that they got married. Right. If he's thinking about having a claim, then what, like, why wouldn't he be, you know, doing his duty and producing? Yeah, marriage? I think she knows firsthand that he he can't. That's my that's my read. I was just. Gonna say, I really like the way that they shot this because it did leave that question of cul- culpability in her death. We don't really know from the books. I, I think you could put two and two together. Obviously, Viserys does the second he hears about her dying. Um, and he's he is involved, but I like the fact that he did not... That they chose to have him not directly, like, actually bring her down off the horse. Get the horse to, like, stomp on him. Um, like they do in the Charity Bazaar show. Um Right. So that we still have a slight sympathy for him a little bit. And then he does test like with his foot. He's testing to see how bad it is. Not that he gives a shit, but like her back's broken or whatever. To leave her there. So even though she kind of spurns him on, I I think it would have been really, really cruel to not finish the job at least. I have a completely different read on that. And Mm. that this is like the the way I saw it. Damon was 100% taking the coward's way out. He knew she would die either of exposure or something when she was literally paralyzed on the ground in the middle of nowhere. Um, or he knew that she would die soon thereafter. And I, I think he he wanted to get get it done without it. Also, you cannot tell me that Damon Targaryen does not have a blade on his on his person. Like, he could have finished that job very quickly and chose instead to bash her head in um which is obviously significant oh, yeah. what happens That's, at the end yeah. of the episode well um, it has to be an accident though he couldn't yeah wouldn't a blade sure, so do that oh, after then yeah. right you know yeah, I, I don't, I don't think obvious, this yeah. was premeditated mm-hmm. enough that i i you know it takes a while yeah, to get th- that's to my read hearing. is that he he shows up here on foot with the hood on i'm sure no one's seen caraxes anywhere about right he probably made sure of that well, so, that's what I was wondering is, like, did the horse get spooked from him, or could he smell Caraxes nearby? I'm guessing he didn't bring the dragon, because they didn't show it, and so I'm just going to assume he didn't come. Um, everyone, you know, the cousin assumes that he killed her, but, like, they, there was no, like, we saw your dragon, like, a mile away, dude! Because everyone would see that, right? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I assume that he just kind of took a walk. I was just I was just going to say this is one hundred percent murder. I don't think I don't think the show the show I think intentionally made it very clear that this is one hundred percent murder. <laughs> um, well, uh, the, after the episode, they do say that like they yeah. wanted it to be ambiguous of why he was there, and I'm like maybe for two seconds, like yeah, once I realized I mean, who it was. <laughs> Sure, I guess, but like, <laughs> it's why I never trust the after the episode. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that's like uh, that's, yeah. that's when you get the guy playing Otto telling you that like, well, Otto's right. Their series will see it eventually. <laughs> yeah, but I think the, I mean the show made the right decision to to make it clear. I think I think there are folks who, after watching like these four episodes, who have become strangely attached to Damon Targaryen. You need to realize this guy is. Asshole. <laughs> but it's Matt Smith and he's hot. <laughs> Do understand, though, y'all. Damon Targaryen. He's one hundred percent a Targ, y'all. Yes. yes. Well, I think I think that's also that's a hidden threat in the episode, right? Because I I mean I agree. Like I was I I feel the like oh poor wounded puppy Damon Targaryen bullshit also, and I think that this episode was kind of like juxtaposing Otto's conversation with Alicent, you know, with the with the idea that like Damon is in fact very dangerous and not just on like a random battle in the stepstones. He will he will come at innocent people to get what he wants. Right. And then he's going and then he said at the wedding feast, you know, like see you at the Erie to like make our cases to Lady Jane, you know? Like it's not just about like, you know, like seemingly random interpersonal violence it is about like like creating a power base for himself that's not related to his brother's goodwill hmm. it, that could have read a lot differently too if they just hadn't had that that scene with Rhea and if it was just the confrontation at that dais at the wedding because it, what is he supposed to do pretend like he this was a love match and he is entitled to her shit if they, I guess, if they can't prove that he was completely. Yeah, you mean if all we got was word of her death and not the scene? Yeah, it, yeah. that would have read really interestingly, I think. But um, I still like the way that they. Yeah, they would have left it, it more and... ambiguous. But I felt, I felt you're right that they that showing, um, showing his uh, quality here was was the right call. Um, yeah. We can talk more about this as we go on, but um, let's move on to the next scene, and then we'll talk a bit more, Damon, especially once we get down to the. Uh, showing up at the wedding. Um, so in the next scene, Viserys, we see at sea, who's like seasick and good storms and shit. Terrible. Um, we get first best hand. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Lionel. We, get, well, we don't, yeah, we, we see our new hand, um, which he's not really referenced much until later. And then uh, Cole and, you know, Rhaenyra obviously having their chat. Um, and then uh, they arrive I thought they were arriving for the wedding, then I realized it wasn't the wedding, but they're at um, uh, high tide, right? Yep. And um, what's his name is not there. Uh, Corliss is not there and kind of makes note them. of it. Yeah, yeah, to greet them, right. And um, in between that, there's a scene with Otto confronting Alicent uh, as he leaves King's Landing and kind of making his case that, like, well, your, your kid's going to be killed if you don't, you know, do something. And uh, she comes across again as very innocent, not wanting this, um, you know, Rhaenyra's queen, all that. Um, 
and we, we, we can talk about that because I've, I've not liked that choice. And I think that's probably, you know, bias from the story of me being like, oh, Allison's a piece of shit. Um, but I think for the, for the show, this is actually turning out to be a good angle. And I didn't, I didn't think I would think that. So, but anyway, what do you guys think of kind of the arrival and then uh, that conversation with Otto and Allison? All right. Um, yeah, I mean, just like yet another example of Viserys being weak, right? Because just like he has to like drag the entire entourage to Driftmark to, you know, like make their case. And it's just like, and then to add insult to injury, Carlos isn't out there to formally greet them. Uh, I mean, at this stage, it's just Viserys being Viserys, right? But uh, as far as Allison and providing a motive for her, I understand like the school of thought, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I did have a thought of just like, you know, like uh, making this a self-fulfilling prophecy of like your kids are going to die if Rhaenyra perceives them as a threat. So like, because like they don't do this in Dorne and they have assist, they have like, like ways to like, or like, you know, they understand this uh, or that this doesn't have to be this way. So that like, you know, like to perhaps like, uh, and, you know, like, as far as, like, Allison's enmity towards Rhaenyra, it's not just about that. It's about, like, Rhaenyra sleeping around and, like, any perceived moral failings because of that, right? Uh, absolutely. And I do think it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, I think that's going to be the tragedy of it. Right. Um, but but they're, not, they're not making her off from the beginning as, like, I gotta get mine, you know, fuck Rhaenyra. And I think that kind of for the show and for the audience, I think that does well. It creates a better character. Um, if a couple, if a couple weeks ago you you asked me that, I probably would have said I probably would have disagreed. But yeah, not not in this particular scene, but like as like what builds through towards the episode, it's just like whatever, you know, like yeah, she talks to Kristen and then like trying to like, you know, like you know, just like talk or find out as like Rhaenyra's ally, you know, like more or less, but. Like, you know, it, like, you know, like with the entrance, it's just like, you know, like she's ready, you know? Oh yeah. We're going to get to, we're going to get to Kristen. <laughs> oh man. He, he, he did a lot of work this episode. Um, but what do you guys think like of Lord, Lord Corliss here being slighted, uh, kind of doing a little power play. And then once he's like, I'm here to offer my daughter in marriage. It's like, Oh, sit down get the King something <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought it was a total power move to make him come up to make Viserys come up to him like all the way there and then also to walk um walk Rhaenyra all the way up there to be like, oh no, not this this is not for you, actually. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Like she ended up like just walking on the beach anyways, and they made her walk all the way up there. Right. Um, it was it was just like you know, it's such a power play. And then you have like Viserys who's like trying to just like deal with this I feel like he's just trying to like make everything okay and he can't like hold anything together including himself and I, you know I think that's exemplified through his health um but like it, it it's so interesting to see like the contrasts of like you know him trying to hold up the realm and like it just seems through Viserys that it's just apparent that everything is falling apart well, you know, he did kind of, like, I, I feel that this is an acknowledgement of, you know, like, he did not handle the Corliss situation 
perfectly at the outset. So it is, yeah. so like at, at that point, it is like a matter of like, you know, just like humbling himself to take for a minute to take re- like kind of responsibility to resolve this. But yeah, it is still just like weak Viserys being weak Viserys. I mean, I don't disagree, but I think that like Rainey's straight up says he lowered himself to come here. Like they should, you know, and, and all he has to argue with is basically like the exact same argument that Rainey's and Corliss made to him about Lena. So it's like, mm-hmm. gosh, where have we heard this before? So I think it, you know, he he shouldn't have gone to them. He should have summoned them and like yeah, or if he had a dragon, where they may, you know, yeah. What are they going to do? Marry Lane or also to the Sea Lunar Bravos? I don't think so. Right. <laughs> this this scene with them is some of my favorite writing of this series so far, though, because the subtle, uh, just where you see Viserys as as a king, you have to put up with a lot of shit. Like you can't uh, every insult to you, you can't react to. But God, how much would you want to like? will the kids have my name and that beat that he takes before he's like, are you suggesting the Targaryen dynasty ends now because I didn't do your bidding a few years ago? I and like Oh, the yeah, that's right. That he actually musters to respond. And like would... that to me is just such a step too far for Corliss. Like, take the win, dude. Don't be a shithead about it. You know, like. He he backs down quickly enough there, but I will say I I did love that that exchange there because we didn't we just have this discussion last week about like well you know they're they're Valerians but if they had set the throne would they be Targaryen you know it's just like a stupid discussion that like you know we would have and they're like they, here's like an official like you know you get yours and I get mine sort of thing and it, I don't know it was like a little tidbit like they could have just not done it all. And they actually used it uh, for character development in the scene and also kind of answered questions that, you know, fans like us would have. So Yeah. Well, I guess it, it is a valid question. It just seems shitty. Like the the moment that he asked it in was a dig. But it is a valid question because a queen on the Iron Throne is unprecedented so far. So I could see where that's, is, yeah, is it that was, going to be I the think, way that I it think, is. Um, Padme Amidal would call this aggressive negotiations. Right. Um, you don't have a, you don't have a lot of time here, I think, uh, to decide like whether he's going to be courteous and kind of put the past aside, or whether he wants to stick. And so he's basically like, this is his one ask, almost like you're going to support her as queen, and so my son will be the king consort. Great. And then what does that mean for my you know my grandkids? And that's it. Like I I don't have anything else I can ask. I'm done. You know. And it is a little you know. I mean, Viserys kind of invites it, I guess, too. So, like, you know, you wouldn't get away with that with other kings, but, um, yeah, it pushes the envelope. I also think that this scene really showed how, like, you know, know, we have Viserys and Corlys talking, and it seems, like, very just, like, quick, like, okay, we think this, this, and this, and he's like, okay, and then, you know, they go back and forth about whatever, but it was very quick, and then, you know, Rhaenys comes in later on, and it's like, you realize that, like, we're putting our entire family in danger and how bad this could all end up. And it's like, Coralis was just kind of like, Oh, I didn't really think of that. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot more going on here. And I feel like the men in this scene were very like one job we're done. We're good. This is all going to be great. Um, But it all ends up kind of not going great in the end, I guess. That's so interesting, Casey, because I think 
it was really interesting to see Rainey's take the perspective that like this could be very dangerous for Lenore and for them when that was not how she felt about her 12 year old daughter marrying, you know, the 50 something year old King. And I like, I think there's, there is that like real uncertainty even among like theoretically, even still the Valorians are their strongest allies. And certainly if this marriage goes through, they would be their strongest allies. But she's like, this could be built on a foundation of, you know, sand. No pun intended, because they're yeah. dark, but like Well also, you know, Corliss is their heir, whether they like it or or not. You know, Lena is not. Or sorry, mm-hmm. not not Corliss Lenor. But I mean, you know, uh Corliss puts a uh, puts the point forward, you know, when she says, Look, you know his uh you know his uh, what what did he call it? You know, his his preferences basically. And and then Corliss is like he'll out he'll outgrow the gay and she's like, right, but they don't like women ruling. Look at me. And he, you know, I mean, like, he's just, he's got his eyes blinded by, obviously, they're a very powerful house, but he hasn't felt, you know, that they've ever arised to their station, that, that you know, they should be at. Now this is a chance to be in the throne. And line, um, this, I think, sets up has... the fact that they're going to, that Corliss is going to do a lot to make sure the succession happens or that they have allies, which we haven't been seeing. So I think this this conversation right here between the two of them sets up a lot, you know, when we jump forward with the time skip, so that, like, stuff's going to have happened, you know, because of this, because, you know, she was smart enough to say, hey, you you, you can't just assume this is going to go well. Well, I appreciate the fact that she wasn't just talking about his sexuality either. First, she came at it from the political standpoint, and then the concern as a mother, I think, for, like, and if he's not able to fulfill his duty and produce heirs to her, this will become war, you know? Um, so I, I liked that it wasn't just uh, a homophobic thing. There was more, you know, dimensions to it. And I just love her character so far. Like, hail the queen that never was. I love her. I yeah. really... I really liked her, him and her, when when they were getting towards the end of that conversation, she was kind of going into like, I mean, they they didn't let me become queen, you know? And he says, I, I would have fought for it, basically, is the implication of that. Like, if he could have changed it, he would have. And I love it. It's so good. Yeah. So what we're going to do here, we got we got a few more things to talk about, but we're going to jump back here uh, in just a second, and we got to talk about another scene. But first, Matt has joined us. Uh, if Matt, would you like to give us your rating for the episode? So I, I don't know what y'all's ratings for this was, but this episode was phenomenal. <laughs> yes! I loved, I loved it so much. <laughs> it's, it's definitely my favorite of the season. Uh, Claire Kilner, the director, has knocked it out of the park these past two two episodes, um, and and just really nailed the whole. Well, I guess it technically wasn't the wedding at that point; it was just kind of the the pre-party or whatever. Rehearsal, um, just, <laughs> right? The rehearsal, but just that that like steady build, and we finally got to see like uh, Ramin like really flex. Um, on the score, like in the background mm. and all that, um, I just thought it, it was fantastic. I got up out my chair, <laughs> like, and pacing, just kind of like ready for the the build into the explosion, which yeah, I, I assumed was 
as I had mentioned in last week's episode, was was Kristen <laughs> killing ye old knight of uh, kisses. Um, and yeah, just the the back and forth between Rhaenyra and everyone, and um, <laughs> breakbone breakbones coming in, <laughs> like bashing through everyone was fantastic. Um, you know, uh, Alicent uh, is also um, great, even though like I really, I really, I know it, it wasn't going to happen, but the the thought of uh, Kristen kind of going out like that at the end before um Allison stopping him I <laughs> I really would have liked that like story element even though I knew it was impossible um so yeah I had a blast awesome that's great to hear I think most of us uh had the same had the same opinion and just uh speaking about ratings um I put up on the uh on the VOK uh YouTube I put up just like a quick lemon cake poll for every episode so far just to kind of see because I missed that from the forums where we used to have those and it kind of gave us a lot to go off of. Um, I also put up a poll to see like what people thought, like greens or blacks, before the show um, kind of started airing, which ended up about 75-25 in favor of the blacks. But I will say, I feel like um, looking at the, the numbers here, I think last week's episode was probably the most favorably viewed so far. So we'll see if that changes uh, this week. Um, but anyway, so let's uh, we're going to talk about all the wedding here in a, in a bit, when we get towards the end, we'll just kind of cover that all at once. But let's go back to uh, Alicent in the Godswood with uh, Larry's, and we get um, some mention of of uh, a tree that should only be native to Bravos. How is it here? You know, give me flashbacks of some red door shit, um, and then the talking about two times. Okay, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So that, yes! I mean, it's, just, it's just like these little, these are just like little like Easter eggs they're putting in that are fun. I said, don't mean anything, but, uh, and then his like, his, his, he's got tea time in more ways than one here, you know, sharing tea and uh, talking about tea and like, oh, I hope that tea went down really well. The Grand Maester brought it. Must have been really sick. <laughs> oh man, what a dick. Yo, this, there's strong. What a bitch. <laughs> that gossipy bitch. <laughs> I I love this. This this is this is this is some hot hot gossip stuff. It's interesting because I think we're we're kind of seeing Laris in like the larval stage. You know, like this what he did here was like at least to me did not seem like the you know, a master stroke or anything like that. Not necessarily that it was meant to be, but like I I feel like, you know, his dad has just become hand. He's like starting to feel out possibilities and like, what if I can make the queen think I'm her ally? That would be interesting. How will I do that? But it's not like and it happens to be it it works because it super unnerves Alicent. Um the very idea that Mira might take moon tea from the maester, oh my god. Um but like I, I don't I don't read this scene as like, oh, look at this genius just yet. No, no, no. And this is high school. This is high school snaky bullshit. But yeah, this I is this it. isn't Regina George. This is like uh, one of the other ones. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's still it's still fun. I mean, the balls they get rolling off of like basic shit like that in this episode, man. Oh, and this kind of connects to um, to the scene we get later. Let's just talk about that now because it kind of it kind of fits, right? 
So uh, we get this scene. We get Rhaenyra and Kristen Cole on their way back talking, you know, about how you should leave with me. Uh, and she's like, what the fuck? I am the crown. Like, do you not get it? Like, she, she Walter White's in. And, um, and then after that, we get the scene with uh, Allison asking for Kristen Cole to be brought up. And, and when she was, like, super vague about everything, I knew what was going to happen. I think we all knew it was going to happen. He was at, you know, she was asking him, you know, would, would you know of any sort of, you know, was Rhaenyra's honor maybe in question? I would never accuse her of anything. And he's like, I did it. Um, which is, uh, which is amazing, which, which really sets things up in kind of a different way than I expected. You know, I think she's not talking about him. No, she's, she's being like, Hey, did anything go down with Damon? But she never says it. And he's so guilty. They've set him up. I mean, this is my thought was like, they've set him up as like the reverse Jamie Lannister. Like he's going to be this honorable guy in the white cloak and it's all I have. And I've, you know, and it's like, he's going to slowly compromise um and blame Rhaenyra for it, obviously. Um when when it'll be his choices. But uh it, it's just interesting. This is not the Kristen Cole I expected to get, and I still don't like him. But uh you know, the memes and the uh the watchers, there's a lot of Kristen Cole stands out there so far this season. I'll just say that. So I, I felt like after last week's episode where I felt like I felt like Rhaenyra really took advantage of him. I feel like this this scene kind of re- reinforced me how much of like a little baby boy he is and how he, you know, I, I think that he is still kind of in the idealist kind of stage where, you know, he thinks that this might be, you know, love, true love, and he's gonna, uh, wants to run away, but I don't think he's really, like thought everything out and um you can kind of see how um you can really see how guilty he is i guess <laughs> about uh you know with the white cloak and cloak and cloak and everything to really take casey because uh she he, she gives him the white cloak because he's the one with all the battle experience in the group but then to you know to paint like you said like a little boy so he's so unexperienced in all these other ways it's sad it strikes me also as just the product of like the the class difference because you know it's just like yeah he had his own adventurous youth as he likes to say but like you know he doesn't seem to have like dealt with being the lover of a married woman before or anyone um, yeah. w- would you say, so the actor is 28 and we're about to get this 10 year time skip. So in the future, what, what is Kristen Cole? Like in his thirties, probably right. Once we do the time skip. So here he's like early twenties for the show. Does that make, does that sound right? It doesn't sound terrible to me. I don't know if he's younger. I don't, I don't know if they're wanting us to think he's younger or not. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, what yeah, age he they're representing. About- yeah, he speaks about, like, yeah, because during the hunt, he does speak about his, like, so-called adventurous youth. Like, it was, like, a significant portion of his life, but it was still long enough ago hmm. that, like, now he's just, like, in a different phase of, like, and looking to, like, settle down and commit himself fully to 
something, if not someone, which yeah, I just goes into his idea of a white cloak. Settle yeah. down and get married. And well, <laughs> why did you join the? Why did you petition for the Kingsguard? I don't know. I was in college. <laughs> like dedicating his life to the order, if not a yeah. woman. You know, just like having yeah. that singularity of purpose after having and done and partied and had fun. And I think he fully did commit himself. Right. I mean, like it's, yeah, there's no, there's so far he, he best Damon at the tournament and he is the noble knight. Like he has been following the ideals up until this point. And obviously as a thing for Rhaenyra, they have the, you know, issue last week and it kind of, it breaks him. I don't, I don't want that to be people saying that, oh, it justifies everything that he ends up doing later on. But so far, at least show Kristen Cole, I mean, this is, like, this has meant a lot to him. Like, this is, he thought, you know, the white book and, and all of that. Um, yeah, it yeah. means something to him. And then for Rhaenyra to just, like, bang him, but then go marry someone else, it just, like, it must feel like quite a shock. Because he said, you know, like, I made a vow. I broke that vow. And now I'm being, like, you know, just told to be, that I could be your dirty little secret, you know? Mm. This scene, uh, I finally figured out who this actor reminds me of, and it's Christian Bale in the 90s version of Little Women, especially when he's proposing that they run away together. It's very Laurie trying to get Joe to marry him. Um, I do like that she does allow herself that little moment when she steps away. I read it as she considers it for half a second. She allows herself to imagine it, even knowing the answer she's going to give. And perhaps it's cruel a little cruel to him to give him that moment of hope but i think it's important for her to take that beat of you know you're born into this shit so do you ever actually think about whether it's what you want or not or is it because you you just this is what it is from cradle to grave this is your life you don't have choices so i appreciated them giving her that moment to take that beat also how much do we think the prophecy is factoring into what she's thinking about during that scene of running away. Maybe 15%. If you want yeah. to read that into it, you can read it into it. But I, don't yeah. think you, I don't think you yeah, need she, that as a motivation. She starts talking about Aegon the Conqueror, and I think that is like her trying to wedge in like Targaryen responsi- responsibility and dynasty without giving away their family secret. Yeah, that's what I read the whole Aegon talk as. I kind of read her more as, like, you know, she, I I think she's still kind of feeling that, like, invincibility that she felt in the last episode that, like, you know, like, I can be queen and have it all, too. Why would I leave this? It doesn't matter if it's you or somebody else. It's, um, this is what I'm going to be doing. Um, I, I just felt like the whole thing was really sad. Because, like, I, I mean, I'm really annoyed that they're making me feel all these things for Kristen Cole. But, like, to me, his arc through the episode is pretty clearly somebody who, like, all the rules have very quickly gone right out the window. You know? He's, like, he, he even says, like, the reason I pitched running away with you is because, like, if we could get married, maybe at least that would, like, redeem my honor. You know? And then he confesses fucking the princess, the virgin princess, to the queen... And, like, his whole defense is, like, I know I'm going to be killed, but, like, could you just kill me before you, like, mutilate me? Yeah, he's, like, begging then, for death. <laughs> yeah, and then I think, you know, like, I, I don't want to excuse what he does at the end, 
But I think there's an, an element of confusion and, and terror that is going on with him that like really does not know how to cope with a third person and a total stranger knowing the most dangerous secret and destabilizing secret of his life. I hate that I feel so clearly about like, I can, I feel like I can understand right, his motivation right. so well, but like I, you know, and it's tragic because Rhaenyra just doesn't see any of that. Like she really doesn't. She just, just doesn't get it. Yeah, she, yeah. Is, is that not such a George move though? Yeah. Like it's such a, like Theon, you know, Jamie a bit like to make you, like take this character that we all expect to hate because of our preconceived notions and just kind of put this on us. And I mean, he's being very emo, but he's also in real danger. And you're right. He goes from like the queen knowing to, you know, we'll get to the wedding, but like (laughs) to another person knowing like his head explodes. Um, Yeah. He spends most of this episode in a suicidal mindset. Right. I was going to say very self-destructive is what it feels like he is right now. Like the, the, I think it's obvious that we're supposed to think of him that way because right after the scene that we'll get to, he goes and is very obviously contemplating suicide. Like his motivation here is like, I've totally ruined this opportunity in my life and my name. I should just kill myself and get it over with, you know? Yeah, you can definitely even interpret him attacking uh, Sir Joffrey that way because, you know, to just like, unprovokedly attack someone in the king's court like that is just like a major crime that you could very well expect to pay for with your life he he seems like someone who needs like like a north star and is like that like an idol he can sort of like revolve his life around and i feel like the fact that alicent has kind of pulled him back from the edge like she's going to replace rhaenyra sort of in his mind is <laughs> is like kind of like this this fixture that that he can believe in, maybe not like in an erotic sense or like a romantic sense, but just like, oh, like I I had this goddess and now you can be my new goddess. <laughs> I can't be for myself. It feels very much like he needs a Brienne in his life, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like yeah. in a Jamie sense, he needs someone to like be a moral North Star for him. I don't think yeah. I don't think the problem is his morality because he he shows himself to be extremely moral, <laughs> like overly so. He he, he acts he behaves much more like Ned mm. than, than Jamie Lannister. Well, I mean, well the problem is who well he was compromised by his social station, right? Right. Yeah. That that's the problem. That's not it's not him like having a decision to make. He had no decision to make when when yeah, yeah, yeah. forced it upon him. Um, that's true. So I feel like this is this is somebody who was honorable who has this whole idea about what it means to be a good knight what it means to be a dutiful king's guard and he got just just got thrown into the game to, to the into the game with no shot with no preparation Rhaenyra put him one direction and now Allison's going to pull, pull him the other direction it feels very uh jamie actually because like maybe you like know, young jamie a younger yeah, yeah 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 i mean like young jamie that to be clear when he first joins the king's guard yeah, after he's been fucking his sister forever. Yeah, well, and that's when he's away from her. That's the thing. Once he's at King's Landing, that's he's true. away from that's her, point. and he's around these men that, like, he considers them almost gods to him. You know, uh, Arthur Dane, Ger- Gerald Hightower, and 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 uh, Barrison Selmy are like gods to this kid. You know, so 
what happens afterwards when all these men are mostly dead? Well, now he's back with Cersei. And I, I kind of see that for, for Kristen, where it's, you know, he's kind of had this this person he's been following and, and feeling like very ready to fight for in uh, Rhaenyra. And now he's lost it. And now he's, you know, moving to a new queen. Yeah, let's um, we're going to circle back around on that when we get to the, the final scene, because there, there's a lot to unpack before we get there. But um, I, I do agree. We have a couple more scenes here. Just to go over real quick before we get to the uh, the main event here with our wedding, the green wedding. I don't know what we're gonna call it. Um, but let's let's go back here. So these are all kind of tied up, right? Um, what do we have? Um, we have the scene with um, Rhaenyra and Lena on the beach. You know, talking about basically how they're gonna have an open marriage, and Houston then we kind of, right, and then we transition from that to uh, Lenor and um, Joffrey. The Night of Kisses, I don't know where they call me that, um, talking about how things could work out. We both kind of have an understanding, uh, which, you know, these I feel like they kind of speak for themselves. Um, and then we get Viserys right before the wedding. Viserys is leeched uh, as he talks to his new hand and kind of ponders, like, am I going to be a good king? Um, yeah, so what did you guys think? Do you have anything to say about those? One other scene is uh, when they return to King's Landing and Alicent is looking out over the balcony at Viserys collapsing and her expression is like could freeze water. (laughs) Like, he does not give a shit. And it's, it's a very interesting, like, obviously no one's looking at her, but it was, it felt like a very interesting, like, view into how she actually feels about the situation that she's been put in in her life the uh the scene with the series is yeah <laughs> i think i i mean patty constantine is doing a terrific job but i don't like i feel like there's such deep like such deep tragedy <laughs> in what he's saying and realizing because he feels like his mortality creeping up on him and he's realizing that he's not like he's not the person he could have been, and like, what is his line? Like, I often think in the crucible, I might have been forged a better man, and it's just sad. It's like he, he, he held up peace, but he also feels like he didn't do enough, and he hasn't like really. He was never tested. Like he doesn't have a anything remarkable about him or any like sustaining legacy that's going to make him be remembered in a profound way, and it's disappointing. It's 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 really sad. There's no crisis that he is going to be remembered for solving, you know. There's no like Mirish pirates invading Tarth for him to go on Dragonback and deal with and be like lauded as this hero. Or he there's no project that he's worked on really, like the 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 road project that Jaharis works on to like truly make his reign seem more glorious. For him, it's just a continuation of Jaharis. And well, and the one conflict that he had that opportunity to make his name in, he chose to stay out of. And, you know, his brother and a member of his small council circumvented his directive and won glory for themselves rather than him being able to mm. claim that. I think what's the, I mean, 
Viserys made a lot of terrible, terrible decisions. He, I, he's not a good king. He, he should never have been king. I think like what just what make him more empathetic to me is his self awareness and how Patty Constantine played that self awareness throughout this like all all the all the kings that we saw throughout Game of Thrones. Robert Baratheon, Joffrey Baratheon, even you can even argue Stannis and Renly, even, uh, even Rob, they lack self awareness. They think of themselves as gods, or they they they, they feel like some they entitled to whatever position that they have. Um, then, but Viserys is someone who I think he shows his weakness, which is bad as a king, but it makes me feel like, man, this guy, this guy. This is a good guy if he wasn't in that position. Healthier. Maybe if he had his dragon, he would have stayed healthier. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, I, I, I wonder how he makes it through the time skip. But um, I know. I was a little bit like, this guy looks like he's on his last legs already. I was like, are, are we just going to have him die here? Like, oh. If you if you've seen him in the preview, he looks he not looking good. Yeah. Crypt keeper. Yeah, yeah, by the time we get there, he's he's had years of of kind of being uh, useless, and it'll be sad. But it might I mean, be that actually that Me- if Melos passes on, that uh, Orwell is the one taking care of him, and so he does end up lasting a little bit longer. The implication from that scene where Melos is like, "Oh, we need to leech him again," instead of the uh, herbal poultices. Melos is we- leeches. Yeah, and that yeah, and that's the second time too that um, Orwell's made an attempt to have a better treatment. At least in the previous, you know, when he suggests modernization, at least Melos at that point says, "Okay, yes, we we'll we'll go with that." But um, right, I always felt Melos was incompetent. (laughs) (laughs) Does this whole arm like fall off eventually? Because like I I couldn't tell if that was like like salve or infection or like it don't look good. Greg, Greg thought it was grayscale. I don't. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> the throne rejected him, Casey. I know. Well, I know. Just like super practically, I think that he has uh, diabetes. If if we were going to diagnose that, the way his wombs don't heal, little cuts and things, I'm I'm guessing he has diabetes. Maybe type It'll two make, um, rich diet. Perfect sense. And they don't know. I mean, that's we see. I see this a lot in in my field. And like, yeah, a lot of people that have these issues uncontrolled, um, or that are non-compliant, and it just it just keeps going, gets worse. They don't heal from anything. Well, we'll um, just let this in this world. It's the dragon. Doctor V. O. K. Doc Vox. <laughs> well, do you have any idea how much diabetes medication costs in Westeros? Even the king can't afford that. Um, anyway, okay, all right, let's stop. Um, can I just say, on a meta level, I thought it was very, very interesting that this scene was like, you could hear the fire crackling so loudly, and he's talking about a crucible, which is, you know, you get forged through fire when he's talking to uh, Lionel Straw, <laughs> who, uh, you know, we know, we know how he dies. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. like, call me yeah, as go. They've been, doing, be they've been doing a lot of fire. That. Yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. I find it fun. And I, um, I, there's a theory that like Viserys gets so upset about Rhaenyra's bastards that he is the one who orders the burning of Harrenhal. And if that's the case, this scene is like so amazingly ironic. Just so good. Ooh, interesting. Hmm. All right. So let's say uh, 
any anything finally to go through all these scenes that we've just gone through? Uh, anything else to say before we move on to wedding stuff? So we're we're actually not going to talk about orgy paintings in. Oh, Allison. see that's see this is the time. Uh, <laughs> go go ahead. <laughs> I just. It was so distracting. That's part of my half a point off for this episode. Is I was just very distracted by it. Although I did find it uh, fascinating, that, like it would be historically accurate. But you know, there's like all this uh, dispersions being cast on Lenore for his sexuality, and there's a pretty graphic picture hung on the Queen of Westeros' wall of sodomy. So. I, I, I is just, it good, is it a good or bad thing that I didn't notice any of that in this episode? It probably means you're <laughs> more mature than me. <laughs> <laughs> Freud will probably have a field day with the fact that I couldn't l- stop looking at it. So uh, <laughs> it was just so there. <laughs> it felt like you're in my. I totally missed it. I, I feel blind it, to it. Well, there were shots where it was like, framing her too, so I didn't. I didn't understand the choice there of. You know, it's not histories, it's not dragons, it's not scenes of epic battles or the conquest or whatever. It's people fucking. Well, I, I do think it symbolizes like Viserys's like or like the decadence of the court, right? Because it's just like in hindsight, it is the run up to the greatest crisis of the dynasty, right? So you know, it, like I feel it's very fitting to like have. Or like to go on about how like everything is so decadent and no one's addressing the real problems, etc. Yeah, maybe in a practical way, it's it's hung in the queen's room to kind of get her ready to make air. Juices flowing. Juices yeah, flowing. little little rev up to her engine so she's ready to go when it's time to air and spare. I don't know. It was it was an odd choice for me. I'd like to. I would love to hear the set decorators' <laughs> like experience with creating that. And I would like to know if they are like real real world medieval paintings because I've seen ones that are similar. I don't know. There are those illuminated. I don't know. There are there are those illuminated medieval manuscripts about like the penis tree, right? So. And there are several I, movies that I do this where like they one. have the whole <laughs> they have the whole plot of the movie basically like hidden in like paintings and pictures around the you know, um there's a couple films that have done that. But yeah. I mean I guess there was an article I did see last week, I think, that like in the in the last Thor movie, at one point there's like a whiteboard where they're drawing a bunch of stuff that it pauses for half a second and moves on. But if you pause it, it has like the whole plot of the movie on it. You know, you'd never notice that in the theater. Um I don't know. There's probably a fun thing they do. Um. All right, so let's move on to the wedding, which I thought we didn't have enough time in the episode left to do all this. A week of, you know, partying and all that, and we didn't. <laughs> so the, uh, the ships arrived for the wedding, uh, the Valerian fleet. Now, I at first, I thought this was Caraxes and Cyrax flying around. I think Sea Smoke oh, and smoke. Melly's. That's one of them was I think definitely it's, red, it's Melly's, right? Isn't Melly's the, the red queen. The red, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Oh, All right. Dragons, right? Yeah. I, look, this is going to happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Dragon Castle. I'll have to get better at it. I'll I'll keep like a picture of them up in, in the background. I'm like, I was wait a second because like that's not Damon. What's going on? Um. Anyway, we get the dragons. It's great. Uh, and Viserys announces that you know there's going to be a wedding. You know, 
all that stuff going on. Um, I think they did mention earlier that like weddings and tournaments are a good place for people to plot. We're seeing all of these, you know, lords around. Um, everyone's getting announced, the Baratheons, yada yada yada. And then uh, when Corlys arrives, man, like the the score for his arrival is like on fire. Like I got to see if I can find that online somewhere and like rip that beat because I was like, damn, and like he rolls deep. Like his his whole family is there. Like they they arrive. Like you know, hey, future part of the royal household here. Um, it was. I thought that was really cool. They interrupt um, the, poor cousin Royce. He's like, <laughs> Rainier is like, if we can do anything. Oh, never mind. Go away. I enjoyed him cutting in front of the uh, high towers for that scene too. Right, right. And then we get um, after all that. Eventually, we get. He's giving his speech to everyone, and we're going to unite our two great household. And everything stops because they have to announce the queen, and uh, Alicent has showed up. And she's wearing the green. And um, they talk about how, later on, they talk about how green means war. The, the light of the high towers that shine, shines green when they call the banners, right? Um, and then Gerald Royce is uh, clowning on, uh, or not really clowning, but accusing Damon after he arrives awkwardly as well. Um, you know, for Runestone, and then we get the Night of Kisses, we get the riot, we get the Kristen Cole suicide, all that. There's a lot happening. Um, and I think we, 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 this is probably uh, where we're going to spend a good bit of time here, kind of trying to I break bet. down exactly how this all went. So, uh, I what bet did some you of the book purists are like super mad that the, and then I'm thinking of two particular book purists who are also racist at the same time, um, <laughs> who are like, um, well, uh, Rhaenyra didn't wear white when um, Alicent wore green, she wore black, and yeah, anyway, I'm just. I know, I know you're not talking about some racists. I know you're not talking about Greg, but he said the same thing during the show, and I was just like, oh. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I mean, I wanted her to wear black too. Yeah, that was the moment for it, but it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, we haven't gone one. there yet. We haven't gone so, there yet. There are some yeah. purists that are gonna that are gonna be like, well, you know, Kristen Cole murdering this dude in the middle of the dance. <laughs> is uh, not how that goes down. Oh my god, he murders him in the middle of the dance. I did not expect that. <laughs> the dance. That's great. Oh, yeah. It's a lot cooler than murdering him in tournament. Murdering people in tournament is just a thing now. Well, it kind of is, and you knew what was going on, but I also thought, like, well, maybe, I mean, maybe Damon's doing it. Maybe, like, what's, hap- what's happening? You, you couldn't yeah, see what was the- going on. I and they did the a good job. The fight might have been started somewhere else. I didn't. I wasn't expecting that the fight was going to be started by Kristen to purposely attack him. Is right. that what? So we don't really see when the prey starts. Yeah, that's just. It. I think we're supposed to not really understand. But they have this conversation where he 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 tries to he he's bringing an olive branch, and this is as we talked about earlier the state of I mind that Kristen Cole is in. No, I think he was bringing an olive branch saying like, hey, we both know each other's secrets and we're going to protect them. Like, it is threatening, but at the same time, it's like, hey, I know that you know that I know that, you know what I mean? And that can be something where you're like, hey, we're both, we got this, right? Um, I, I feel bad for Joffrey, but the scene before that, right, before he goes to Kristen. He kept his mouth shut. He's, I was going to say, he's being really loud about something you really need to shut up about. Uh-huh. What are you doing? Like... Mm. Yeah, I think he. I think he thought it was going to work out for him. I mean, because he he's like, oh, he's got his radar on. He's like, oh yes, yeah, yeah, man, that's that's the Kristen Cole. He's clearly it's clearly him, and like no one else in the no one else knows this. 
but he sees it immediately like, oh, look at him. You know, he can see how he's, you know, he's have, going through issues. He's miserable over there, right? Um, and, well, and then he just can't wait to, like, go talk about it. It's really crazy, too, because we we know that Allison, when she approaches him, is talking about Damon. Right. And so he must be like, fuck me. How many people know? And right. Was this all like a big joke that Rainier is playing on me? So that didn't be approached so casually when you're on the verge already and in public that way. He must have just snapped. But I still don't think that's how it started. I'm not sure we were supposed to read it as that's what started that uh, sort of conflict. Yeah. Right in there, in well, there. I mean, I think it was so chaotic at the beginning is a deliberate thing to show to the viewer. Because if that's what they're experiencing in the hall, you know, like. You know, like Cole can later say, you know, like he started it and no one knows any wiser because like when you're in a big crowd situation like that, you're not paying you're not really paying attention to what another person is doing. Yeah, on there that are no level. body and, cams in the right, and, so. and like, you know, then so then Allison will use her clout to just like reinforce that, right? And then to just like let Cole let Kristen Cole walk, really. I really liked um once the fight started, Lionel using his son as like his little enforcer, like go grab the princess, get her out of there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and he just knocks everyone out of the way, picks her up, and goes. And I mean, he's like the- beating people up and then getting deeper into the fight to get to her. Take me to bed, bike bones. Take me to bed. I know we touched on the weakness of Viserys, but this like puts uh, a point on it probably before. This is the last chance that we see him, I think, even a little bit functional, um, right? So this kind of puts a point on it, like, his daughter is maybe in mortal danger, like, shit's going down, and, like, he can't even do anything. Like, he can barely stand here. Um, yeah, and he no one notices that, obviously. But... Even the Kingsguard, honestly, I guess they're taking their cues from him, because they could have... There are seven of them. They could have been in there, like, well, carrying six. people... You know, or six, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> well, well, you have to leave someone to protect the king. They don't. They don't know what's going on at this right, point. Five, that's that's five. part of it. Is the, the confusion, right? Is they don't know if they're needing to get in there and do something, or if something's coming from them. If it's a poisoning, if it's like a you know a coup, like what the hell is happening? They just know people are freaking out over there. Um, I mean, it, it it was very interesting because, like, you know, yeah, I I, I think. As, par- as far as ambiguity goes, we really don't know exactly what triggered Kristen to, to do that. Like, was it, was it premeditated as far as, you know, the moment that, like, he does, he does touch his sword when um, Joffrey, like, you know, moves away. And I was like, oh, is he going to do it now? He did not. Uh, so something else happened that either provoked him or he decided to, to do it. Um, I just, you know... I feel like the the Valarian court must be very chill because like it, Joffrey no <laughs> you don't like from from Cole's perspective he's fucking around and finding out you know and like I he didn't mean it that way it mm. wasn't you know he he wasn't threatening him but like it's really easy to see why he would read it that way and you know I I, I keep comparing it you know to Rhea Royce's like head getting crushed in by Damon at the beginning of the episode and like that 
to me is like an act of unmitigated aggression and, you know, selfishness. And Coles is just more complicated. Like, it is those things, but it's also, you know, self-defense. It's also despair. It's like a whole a whole bunch of shit. It definitely feels like, as far as people that earned this, although I don't think Joffrey earned this, obviously, he did more so than Rhea, which is to say, like, yeah. he's going there yeah. to poke a bear. Like, you, you, first off, you're guessing at this. You are guessing at this, right? He does not know for sure. He has not talked to Rhaenyra. He's not confirmed this. He's totally shooting in the dark here, revealing himself and Lenor, right? And then saying that he thinks that he's fucking the princess. Like, the the level of, like, implications that are going on here. This is yeah, so bad. Cool, like, he's a king card. This is not like a random dude at the feast. Oh. Yeah, this I know. A... Again, again, he he thinks this is chill. I think he thinks that this is like this is like we're we're about to bond, and we're gonna, I'm gonna let him know I'm in on it, and you know, like yeah, I think he, yeah. he also both, thinks plus ones, we can, <laughs> we're both but like, plus ones, we can be friends, you know. Yeah, Kristen Cole is like, this is not how shit goes in yeah. King's Landing. I'm gonna have to kill you, dude. Like, this is on. a this is a noob player who thinks he, <laughs> he is completely smooth brained. He figured everything out, <laughs> and he goes and and tried to play a game with a guy. Who has no interest in playing any game whatsoever? He's going straight to the final boss. It just wants to kill you after you said uh, that. Yeah, it takes one to know one kind of thing. Where you know he's carrying on a secret dalliance. Some people have uh, gaydar. Some people have, I guess, secret Kingsguard. Yeah, princess star. I, I suppose. Yeah, to me, well, no, to me no it just felt like looking for a lover, right? No one is looking for someone who might be her consort um, at this wedding because, like, literally, no one knows this. And if the conversation with Allison goes different, where she was like, "Oh my gosh, I I was thinking Damon," um, mm-hmm. but like, "Hey, I, all right, thanks for telling me," and like, absolutely, you know, we don't need to worry about this, whatever. Like, he, none of that happens. She just sort of lets him walk off because she's shocked that it's him, and like, he's just like spinning in his head. Like, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe if that conversation goes differently, he's not looking yeah. like this and he's not found out so quickly. I don't know. It's another reason why I'm very chagrin about the omission of Mushroom in this series. I thought Would I saw been... him at first. Well, I know. <laughs> I was like, on Easter eggs for a second with the band, but I, that can't be him because he's supposed to be thought of as uh, developmentally challenged. And that's how he gets in these spaces where he can pick up on all this gossip because no one thinks that he's got anything going on upstairs but he's actually really shrewd um but it might it might have been meant to be an easter egg i'm not sure i mean i will say um, playing playing drums is it's not i mean you can still be developmentally challenged and play drums and stuff like a a, yeah or something of that nature um, um, or having, or he's been trained to do this as part of an. But how, how much more fun would it have been for this to come out from Mushroom, though? You know, rather than like this misunderstanding, mistaken identity thing with Alicent and and Chris and Cole. I don't know. This is like actually about the characters, and like while you know Mushroom is great and everything, I I don't know how they would have gotten away with having a dwarf character when. Like, half of the success of Game of Thrones was Peter Dinklage getting to play a real human being, and then Mushroom, like, having a dwarf character who was just 
you know, yeah, stuff we going on, but like about this on Wolfcast, and that was one of the things we were talking about. Is it maybe the decision was that it's just too, um, too like Game of Thrones? It's tricky to tell without being offensive and things. Yeah, I mean, it it could definitely feel exploitative. I think, in not in a good way, uh, or like not be able to translate that to the audience that like. Yes, it is exploitative in universe and bad, but you know, might come off tasteless to other people. Yeah, I mean, it, also, it wouldn't surprise me if we have like a mushroom, um, like cameo, like because they've been putting a lot of like kind of Easter eggs in. Like, it, it, it's something they could do and like not make like you know, they're sort of avoiding the issue. I mean, they, they could yeah. definitely you know have it in there um, and not really have to deal with it as well. So, but it's not needed either way. I feel like it, it is kind of I don't know. It would be fun, but I guess that's not the uh, narrative device they wanted to go with. Yeah, it did. Um, I wanted to point out the overkill with Kristen Cole and Joffrey is uh, almost a mirror, a completely mirrored shot of Rhaenyra's overkill of the boar in the wood a couple episodes back. Yep, I appreciated the visual. Uh, connect the dots they did there stringing mm, these two. It's a good point. Experiences. And the other thing I wanted to point out was that she's not wearing black. Uh, and I th- I think we'll probably still see that moment where it's actually supposed to happen at the tourney. Um, but Viserys the first is wearing black. And then when she sit- sits next to him, that was a little bit of. I couldn't tell if I liked it or I really thought, oh, that's even more poignant, though, to pit, sort of pit them against each other in that way. No, no, I agree. I, I think that it was really, um, I, I think they really, really tried to hone in on the fact that um, Allison was wearing green in this episode, and probably even a little bit too much. Um, you know, like she was wearing red all through the past episodes, and then she turned to green um, upon... Viserys's arrival to kind of signify that she is not with him anymore. She is with her father. Um, and, and I will say, I didn't even notice she hadn't been wearing green at all. Like, I assume she's worn like a green dress or something in the first, you know, few episodes. But I mean, I guess they made such a point. She, of it. she did um, um, wear it, wear green when um, courting, I guess you could say, or hanging out in uh, Viserys's room. Right, because um, she was wearing that her first episode, dress. but after yeah. that, she wears red. Okay, she's wearing that. That it's a blue with a lot of green uh, bait in it as well. And, and this goes back to a discussion we had on the Discord, though, because she's never referred to as Alicent Targaryen. <laughs> no, just it's just in the same way that like Cersei Lannister, like I think she's referred to as Cersei Baratheon in the book a few times, but generally she's Lannister. She wears Lannister colors. Like, there are some women that seem to kind of keep their last name, but it mostly seems to be people that are, like, narratively important. Because almost all the women in the world, like, they might acknowledge that they used to be, you know, a Lannister or whatever it is they were, but they are, are definitely integrated into their house a lot more. Um, it's, just, it's just interesting. Um, I have a very silly question because Greg and I argued about this for like five minutes. Is the dress that Allison is wearing with like all the like strappiness in her arms, is it blue or is it green? It's like a cyan kind of, or I guess maybe aquamarine virgin on. 
I think it's still in the green category. Greg was like, she's wearing blue, not green. It's stupid that she's wearing blue. I'm like, it is. It's a blue, but it has a strong green base. Does yeah, that make yeah. sense? Like, I thought it was very green. It's, not it's emerald. It's, it's emerald. the dress all over again. <laughs> I think uh, that's important, though, because like the very first scene we see her in, she's wearing that like very Sansa-esque light blue. So I think that is kind of a transition dress for her. Yeah. Like between her stages of her life and like the, you know the first scene in the episode she's wearing the black and red and then we see her switch not sure when exactly but we see her switch to the uh the strappy number that is kind of in between and then she goes for like the full-on green yeah the jewel tone helps to kind of age her up a bit from like true youth and maidenhood with that like you said that sans and i that was exactly what I thought when I first saw it. I was like, oh, it's Sansa. That's, we've seen that costume and that wig before. Um, and then I think the the red that she's wearing um, after she's given birth, that's sort of uh, more... It's not as sexy. It's not as form-fitting. So it's more motherly. And it gives off that vibe of being really connected to the family with the red, I guess. I mean, because she is a cool stepmom. Not anymore. She ain't. <laughs> well, she she calls Rhaenyra stepdaughter right when she walks in. Yeah, she kind of is establishing <laughs> their relationship now. Yeah, yeah. she's uh, our move. What, what was yeah. the what was the light that or the line that um her uncle says something like I was worried that you would wither you know without your uh father. without your father in King's Landing but Ugh. like you're shining bright or whatever. I was like, oh yeah. damn! Like they're they are setting her up. Um, to have fans, to have audience support. And uh, I'm okay with that now. I don't know. Because uh, shit will happen later. <laughs> but they're gonna, I mean, they have to do that if it's going to be a TV series, right? They need the Team Edward, yeah. Team Jacob publicity thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's the right move. Well, also to go back to the very beginning, like, Otto blames her, you know, for his getting dismissed. And it's like, oh, hey, yeah. fuck you off a cliff. And B, like, that is a very powerful goad for her at the start of the episode. Because what has she literally done for the past, like, five years? Literally nothing except what her dad has told her to do. She has been, you know, married off, birthing away, like, however you want to characterize her sex with the series. It's not great, you know. And then he's just like, it's your fault I was fired because you didn't believe you know, my, you, you chose the princess's word over mine. And, yeah. like... Also, his words ring so false. Yeah. So manipulative in that initial scene to me. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, he's that, like grasping at, at stuff there. I mean, Otto's, Otto's wrong, right? He's wrong in about a way he's everything. Right. Like, in a way, he's right because she should have the king's ear, and if Viserys is the type of person to just listen to the last person who talked to him... To have their way, she should have been badgering him about this, even in bed, from Otto's perspective. But yeah, non burgundy, say anything on the center. I'm more mean, like the the like, oh, she's gonna kill your kids. To like, right at this at this point, does that make any sense? Like, once Damon comes into the picture and they're married, you can go, oh yeah, dude, 
dude, dude's going to kill the kids. Like you can right. say Rhaenyra's cool and you guys are cool, but he's, he's not going to let anything stand in the way. But you right know, now that's not an issue. He doesn't like, know at, Rhaenyra though. At this I mean, point. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's been his job for however many years to catastrophize and like, look, think of worst case scenarios. I think it makes sense for him to, to understand that when you're like dealing with the, like the highest seat in the in the world that can fuck with people's heads and make them do terrible things to sit in it. It doesn't like he's he's trying to emphasize a point before he leaves. I I, I can understand why he would go to that far. He's trying to and it's in his interest to emphasize this point. Like yeah. I I mean I, I get that. I just don't think it's true. From the heart. I mean those people were speaking really out. You know, homeboy says uh Aegon the second and nobody that's much of an eye about it, including Viserys. Yeah, uh, that's a hard. That's a hard part because as the king, I mean, if if you're putting that person too far in their place, you're you're chiding them for acknowledging your child, but also like insulting another child. I don't know. That's just a hard position to be in. But yeah, I mean, he he just sort of lets it go, and that's not good either. Well, I think it's, I think this actually kind of crystallized something for me about why Allison does what she does like that 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 doubt that her father plants in her head I think becomes like that that shit explodes once she realizes that you know not only has Rhaenyra lied to her about not having sex period but Mm. she has allowed her to believe that it was with Damon when it was with somebody else completely and somebody else with considerably more fraught political consequences ironically well and she, and she must expect then you know so she if she knows that moon tea was delivered she can kind of expect i mean if if Rhaenyra knows the rumors about Lenore, she must know them too and it, it, it not that what otto said was right but she must be seeing the pieces lock in of well if this gets out in the realm and there are people that want to climb they can use my sons to do that climbing and you know have it come out that oh her heirs are not real heirs so that must motivate some of her action here obviously by next week um we'll really see her doubling down on that but this must be sort of the start of those wheels turning in her head as a mother makes I mean, her face when she realizes that she's been lied to is like it's a good face journey but i think it makes emotional sense to to realize that you don't know your best friend like yeah the person that you thought was you had figured out and trusted and believed in and sacrificed for and suddenly like they've been living a life that you had no idea about they haven't confided in you they've used you yeah. they've manipulated you it makes sense that she'd be like okay I guess well, technically, that's going to be. Didn't lie to her, though. As far as Allison knows, because Rhaenyra definitively said, Damon never touched me. She so lied by omission. So it yeah, is a lie. It's almost worse. Yeah. Right. But then it's also like a straight of, okay, well, Allison, you did that to Rhaenyra, too. I actually think that she's. It felt to me like Allison was more mad that, quote unquote, Rhaenyra ruined herself. Yes. by having sex rather than I, I don't you know I, I'm sure she's mad that she told a half truth or lied too but to me it felt more that she was upset that she lost her virginity 
and might actually be kind of jealous of her being able to live the life that she wishes to live. Yeah, despite her having lost her virginity at 16 to the king, I mean... Right, like, I think, I think it's, I think it's very layered in gen, like, there's a lot of layers to Allison as there is to Rhaenyra, um, but that was, that's what I was feeling this episode, and it made me, um, made me more on team blacks than green, I guess. I already was, but more so this episode, I feel that way. Yeah, I think I wrote about it in the, in the forum during this week, but yeah, it's just like, you know, it's just, right, it's like Allison has had to play by the rules. She was even pimped out by her father in order to get her married. You know, like, just like, you know, like that kind of resentment, it seems like that's at least a part of it. Yeah, I totally agree. She's, she's, I don't know that she's mad that it, if she feels mad that Rhaenyra has lost her virginity, uh, that is sublimating the fact that she's jealous that Rhaenyra got to. I mean, the basis of the, like, their conflict going forward is just, like, is going to be about, like, Rhaenyra's bastard children, right? So just, like, you know, to the point where, you know, like, when Rhaenyra takes King's Landing again, they're gonna, like, or there's that whole, like, brothel queen scenario, right, that allegedly may or may not have happened. That, like, oh, you want, you you like to go on about bastards so much, you can go get one of your own. I I could be totally off here, but I think after Viserys dies, at least once, Alicent and uh, Cole are gonna gonna do it. Good, that would make her, that would, like, explore how she's, like, you know, like, kind of hypocrisy, right? About, like, you know how she talked, spoke about the Targaryen incest last episode? Now she, like, you know, like, I want to say, like, they, that, like, Aegon and Helena get married before Viserys dies, but, like, you know, if he's going to be, like, so sick and incapacitated, like, going forward, then, like, you know, like, and also like he seems to keep her counsel about this so like you know like she probably at least like consents to it right so you know i like that this is set that's setting this kind of stuff up i mean i wouldn't be surprised if once we get the time skip like they've they're already kind of you know behind closed doors right Um, i think that i think that they're setting up for them both to be you know two people who have had to conform to what they were given, you know, Alicent for Viserys, um, and, uh, Christian to, um, you know, uh, get with Rhaenyra, you know, I, I still feel that she kind of manipulated him a bit in that sense, the previous episode, and so I, it kind of makes sense for them both together, to get together to maybe heal some of that wound, uh, whether it's a friendship or maybe even more than that would be interesting. I think Allison would do it while the king is alive. I, I just, I think that's too risky. Um, yeah, I, I see them more as a friendly. Yeah, but, you know, it doesn't mean they don't want to. Um, but I just feel like... He's not functional, though, for quite a bit, right? I don't know. Yeah, but still. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just see her as very, very practical if it's in that way then uh, at least if it's that if it's like if they don't consummate their any relationship they may or may not have well viserys is alive at least allison consider herself well at least i'm not like performing treason by cheating on the king right yeah so that makes me better right yeah that that might be eye fucking the whole time yeah right 
and you know like and you know somehow that makes her better than Rhaenyra in her mind just because reasons but I think it was, I think it's also funny that like she lied to Rhaenyra and I don't think that can be underrated and then she yeah. wants to like also be so upset that Rhaenyra lied to her she lied to right, Rhaenyra that's what I meant about Right, so she lied to Rhaenyra about like seeing Viserys before they got married, and it's just like that's what I meant by saying, you know, see, as if Alicent hadn't done this to Rhaenyra, right? Mm. She doesn't like, lie; you know? she just doesn't tell her, which I agree she should have. But like, first of all, also I gotta say, I love that we can just like get like elbow deep into these characters; it's so great. Um, but like, I I really don't view it as like deception. I view it as like a scared person who's like. Like, the king, the literal king, is like, don't tell my daughter that we're doing this thing. And then she's going to be like, hey, Rhaenyra. Like, that's just not her. And it's it had a been lot, not a lot of people. I understand that. But no, it's more of a question of why can't she afford the same grace to herself? Well, I mean, again, I think, I think there's just very different. I, I think there's just And I understand idea. why but, she thinks I mean, that way. But, like, you know, like, at the, at the end of the day, that's what it is. And, you know, it's like, as we're looking for Rhaenyra's flaws of, you know, she has, like, no regard for the common people, I think it's worth it to just, like, you know, consider, you know, like, this is one of Alison's flaws. Also, she was gone for, or she was meeting with the king secretly for six months. She definitely lied in that time at one point directly about what she was doing. If she's meeting the king, I mean, obviously she's probably not going every night to meet the king, right? But right, right. But I mean, the, the assumption is they have pretty common um, meetings. So much choice to say if the king is saying, "Don't tell anyone," she can't just willy nilly go start. Hey, guess what? I'm trying to get set up with your dad. It's but not. It's, it seemed like. When he it, says that, I understand that. Scene, that. It seems like, like they've been meeting for a while. Like, it, oh no, and it, he was like, you know, don't tell her about this. We know like, it had been six months. That's what I'm saying. That like, sure that, that it had so been six months. The explicit so, "don't talk" thing comes like way after the point you would have expected her to have told her her best friend. Right. It's not that there was never any direction from either Otto or Viserys to keep that you know, under a tight, tighter lid. Again, I understand where it comes from. It's just, like, it, for me, it's it's about the double standard and not about, like, the specifics of the king said, yes, I understand right, the king right. said. Yeah. Right? It's about know, I, not giving, I, like, or, like, you know, like, again, yes. Uh, and yes, you know, like, Otto only had her go see Viserys once, like, literally, like, the night, or to, in order to, like, really, like, finally give Viserys the push into proposing to her, right? But, like, at the same time, it's just, yeah, it's the double standard, and it's the, like, the way of, uh, like, and the fact that Rhaenyra was doing that for her own pleasure and not as a tool of her, a political tool of her father's and any, like, resentments that might bring up. And yeah, that's a good point. I, I think, too, like, how many times do we see this in a show or a movie? It's like, well, if you just said the thing, we can avoid all this. <laughs> It's meet the parents all over again. Yeah, I guess I just don't, and we can we can move past this because it's it's water water under the bridge by ten years already. But like, I guess I just don't see them as as like equal to be a double standard. Like one is a 
scared 16 year old girl who's being pushed around by her father and a very old, much older king. And the other is like a girl who's lying to her best friend so that like her best friend. So kind of so, so she can continue to get away with it. And again, like I, I don't think Rainier is evil for, for that lie. I think that was a, a right. big part of her character, like coming into like, frankly, her agency of like, I get to decide what other people know about me. Um, but like, I, I guess I just don't see them as, as equal enough to be a double standard. But I guess well, my that, point is uh, that neither of them are wrong. So if she feels, if Allison is like shocked by it, like, you know, I don't know. It's um, like, yeah, they should both just, it's, it's natural. It's fine. But you know, I don't know. We could have a field day here with consent and this world because right. You know, they are best friends, but even that is, like, you're kind of assigned the friends that you're assigned as a noble, like, is Allison's position really a true friendship, or is it a manifestation of positions at court, and how much, how much is it organic, and how much is manufactured by station, and things, and and how much agency does she really have to to share a lot with Rhaenyra and and speak up? So she seems like a very timid character to begin with, and not a very forthcoming one. But I think, yeah, there's there is a very um, it, it's a it's a conflict that's just ultimately waiting to be sown, no matter what, because. They're both women, but one of them is in a lot more of a power position, has a lot more autonomy than the other. And the way I read it was Alicent being a little jealous that Rhaenyra's got that freedom to take matters into her own hands a little bit. And um, not not that they're trying to make it a catty thing, but just that inherent jealousy of, I wish I had the freedom to be with someone that I was choosing to be with and not, I've been assigned to this old guy. So right. spread for him whenever he back and calls me in the middle of the night to his room. Yep. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. But I guess I come down on it harsher. <laughs> I see both sides. It, I mean, we could do a whole episode about all of this, right? Like the Chris and Cole thing and Rainier and, and that probably would be a really interesting thing to dissect uh for a lot longer time yeah we don't have time um <laughs> great segue hannah uh so you guys want to cover anything else that happened in this episode any final thoughts anything your stress wasn't black sorry i i had to nitpick that <laughs> <laughs> it still but, might um, happen like she could have her own dress moment in a later episode where she's like aha Think that's true. Um, the books, we, this is this does come later. I think they just fast forward to the dressing, the, the green dressing, a little bit. Yeah, and and I think that's good because it gives the actress kind of a moment on the way out too, right? right. So, are yeah. they gonna do it? Is the question I'm having. Oh, I think they, they'll do it. Yeah, they yeah, absolutely some, will do it. Maybe they were just waiting to give that a bigger, a bigger moment, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. it's um, maybe it's the. Are we getting another tourney? 
Well, so there was this tourney of like the marriage tourney. My thought is that they combined it because they did the Allison dress thing, but maybe I'm wrong because uh, like if I recall correctly, the uh, there was like there were the wedding celebrations for uh, Rhaenyra and Lenor, but also the dress thing was at a different tourney for Viserys and Allison's five year anniversary. So I thought they combined them, which is why I was a little like in the in the mood to nitpick but i um did we did, I, I was away for a bit did we talk about the laris thing in so far as uh tim talking to alicent yeah like the first you went the first scene a little bit yeah i i that i just thought that was interesting it felt very much like he's the uh the Tyrion of the family and he he has to kind of make his own path, where Harwin gets to work in as the Jamie under his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, back to the dress for a sec. It, it occurs to me that like Alicent is at war with Rhaenyra, but I think even when we end this episode, Rhaenyra doesn't know that she's at war with Alicent just yet. Yeah, I, I only like and I was thinking that myself of uh and to have to have her in the white was uh to show like the naivete she doesn't understand the sort of snare she's really getting herself twisted up in. She's yeah, I mean it's been- also it's 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 a visual shortcut for the audience. Like this is her wedding, she is the bride, you know. Yeah, I think that if she wore black to her wedding, it would have confused people. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Um, so I did want to say I absolutely did not really love the whole shotgun wedding thing at the end. I wasn't sure that that was um, within the world and for the show the greatest thing. Although I, I'm not going to complain about it too much because I'm like, yes, let's move forward. But I really did love that final shot with the blood and the fire burning in its you know, reflection. And then the fucking rat comes up and starts. It was so graphic. And should we start a rat count for for the show? Said though (laughs) in that shot, like that just, I don't know. I like, there's, there's so much more than I can like describe that hit me with just that one little ending shot just blew my mind well it's it's rotten right like that mm. i think they're doing such a good job of you know not just with the series like physical body falling apart but like the the presence of rats is obviously going to have plot significance but it really you get the sense of just like they're dead and they don't know it <laughs> yet you know they're being gnawed on this is like there there's vermin everywhere and like this this family has no idea Viserys is like you know for you know Lenor and 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 Rhaenyra's son will definitely sit the iron throne and like what will people sing of in a hundred years or five hundred years like dude nobody's gonna remember you because there's gonna be a massive fucking civil war yeah no one is coming to help you everyone's gonna fuck everything up for you well I'm like for rich and high and mighty they are and they're playing all these games of thrones they're still no better than the people down in flea bottom 
that have rats on their floor, you know, like I just, it was such a like, fuck you to the monarchy kind of thing for me in a sense as well. And I love what they're doing this whole season, which is the aesthetic of, of everything, the way the rooms look, the halls of the Red Keep. Uh, it, it really clearly sets up this idea that it's the same world, but they're not playing on the same level as what we see when the main series starts. Hmm. And it's an interesting thing to juxtapose those two things because they have a lot more aesthetically going on when we come into the first episode of Game of Thrones and we first see King's Landing. So they're richer and they're sort of better off in a lot of ways, but they're all blinded and kind of stupider in a lot of ways as well. And that leads to like a different kind of detriment for all of those characters. And these are playing with different pieces but on the same board kind of like i don't i i really loved that last shot as as like gross as it was it was just like a, they mic dropped and got out of there it was amazing i think it also makes sense to me that like you know the, the part of that image is the series collapsing you know and like just the idea that i mean literally this 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 rain is unstable but I think it also ties in with like Alicent and Kristen Cole and like everybody just kind of like having the the guardrails of their life kind of fall away and the things that they rely on to make the world make sense are are disappearing. And I don't know, I, I found that very powerful in like Viserys, you know, very very minimal attempts to kind of try and keep the world making sense is the one who's like falling all over the place and can't stand up straight. Can I ask something real fast? Uh, just a p- internal poll here. Uh, with the whole prophecy thing being added into this, how's that going to play out at the end of the dance? Is it is it the whole point is that it dies because Viserys is not there to pass it on to Aegon the Second? I think that has to be where they go with it. Um, and I will also say I was going to say this earlier is we had no prophecy talk really this episode. It was so nice. There was none. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's where it's going to go is the lost knowledge, right? Um, the consequence of this is is not just the fall of House Targaryen eventually. I mean, because they're still in power for a while, but like George thinks about that. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not sure that we have. That's not canon. It probably spoils future books. I I think that like there's probably something that. uh, uh, Why am I? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really caring about canon here as much, but I think you're right, and I do think that in like the world book and in Fire and Blood. There is enough to kind of suggest that this is maybe what he was doing. And to some extent, they're obviously shining a much bigger light on all of this and the dagger and all the stupid stuff. Uh, but it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, Aegon and the dreams and uh, it being passed down some way. I said it despised that idea. None of this other stuff would have, because that's that's weird. Well, I mean, this is not late game. We're not. This is not late game, game on TV show anymore. Where George R. R. Martin has almost no stake whatsoever in that TV show. This is, his name is plastered all over this whole thing. 
this is this is very much a thing that they make out to be a personal production of him. So. Even those last few seasons, he would talk about. They would say, "Is this like your story?" He go, "Oh, well, you know, I told them about this," and I, and he was always kind of playing along. And I even said at the time, I was like, "This just doesn't sound right," because like none of this adds up with what he's going to do. And he would drop a little bit of hint, saying, "Well." You know, they did change some stuff. And now he's straight up like, well, I met with them for a few days, like back in like season three or four or whatever. And, and they really didn't listen to a lot of the stuff I said. Like now he's just full on being like, yeah, yeah, the show was way off the rails. Um, but and then I not think to he, mention just, he wasn't able to do that at the time. So Yeah, and then not to mention just them giving an actor a bigger role just because they like them, which is, you know, their prerogative to do as showrunners. Yeah. Which they straight up, they straight up, it's like, I, I wonder if we'll ever get this. Um, you know, and this is like, if we ever get the, the, the final book and we ever get his kind of thoughts on this, like his, his magnum opus possibly, you know, and they just like give it to another character because they thought it was cool. You know, like, how does he feel about that? Um, um, Shadow Baby, to your question though, uh, you know, I think the whole idea of, you know, like lost knowledge is, you know, very central in fantasy as a genre and i think it suits martin's sense of romanticism to have that be something that is not over or while it's not overtly said in the text is you know you know something that's within bounds i'd say and i also think it's it's stunning because we go from here where the the valerians say well we have half of the dragons in the realm right two dragons to we're going to flash forward and there's going to be probably at least a dozen you know when when the dance starts or close to it i mean like the the power of the valerian blood in westeros as just as like dragon riders that could be ready for this you know you know song of ice and fire yada yada whatever you know happens comes later like it, it, it hits its peak and then it just dies which i kind of find interesting I think ultimately this is this prophecy don't as much as some of you may not like. I mean, what I'm I'm blasé about it and whatever about it. Some of you may not like it very much introduced in this way, but ultimately I feel like it fits. I don't think it's completely out of place. Like the stuff that was happening like late Game of Thrones, it just didn't fit. It didn't fit itself. It didn't fit the overall plot. Or no, it didn't fit anything that's going on in the book. It mm-hmm. Didn't make sense. This yeah, it's not very thing. <laughs> This, but, yeah. you know, for, yeah, what bothers me specifically about prophecy talk is if every episode they go, the prophecy this, the prophecy yeah. that, sure. you know, that's, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly. That's too much. They, it's annoying. It's, yeah. I want it to fade away. I want it to fade away. Right. I like that they had it this episode of just like, right, when Rhaenyra's talking to Cole on the ship about running away together, about like, about her saying like, no, this is my duty. This is my life. You know, I like that there's the opportunity to read into, oh, how much is she thinking about the prophecy? But it doesn't have to be the entirety of the thing. She could have pulled out the dagger and said, read this. Right. (laughs) One ring to rule them all. That's right. Like, let's just not do that. Let's get away from that. It's what makes us such a landmark series within high fantasy is that it's not all mysticism and creatures and magics. It's there's elements that are sprinkled throughout it, but it's not the point, right? Like it isn't. But I feel like I don't think this show is going to have a problem with that. I feel like the the Game of Thrones, the, the the Game of Thrones TV show had the problem the opposite that they feared anything that's too fantastical and they and they cut away a bunch of those elements 
and ended up, but in the end, producing an incomprehensible product. <laughs> um, I I feel like some of this is not that bad. A little Again, bit. Of this. Thank God bless you. You're putting that so mildly. <laughs> A lot uh, more gracious than I would be about it. But I think part of the point of this whole enterprise is that you know something that's very important in the books is that like the the fact of knowing a prophecy is way more important than the actual prophecy yeah. and it, like it's it's a ghost that will mm. affect everything that everyone does and i think that they have set up very effectively and i yeah. i i choose currently to see their reminders of it as just like a goad in that direction as opposed to being like the prophecy needs to come true and this is why we need you know like the yeah that's that's my personal read. We know how the show is going to end. It's not. It's got, got nothing to do really with the prophecy in itself, but it has. It's related to the general demise of the dragons, decline of the Targaryens, that whole stuff. Yeah, thinking about it like that, it annoys me less. When they, when he first takes her down uh, to the skull of Valerian and starts talking about, I thought it was just a purely like. See, this show is like that other show you all liked. There's plenty of time for this show to go off the rails. <laughs> right. Well, I think, uh, Shadow right. Man, I don't know if this made it into other episodes or not, but like, you know, like my general thing is, you know, like, okay, well, it, it is winter during the actual dance, right? And it is, uh, so, but it also, you know, just like ties it back to the main conflict of, you guys are just playing your Game of Thrones and not paying attention to what could be the actual crisis that they don't know because they don't know how, you know, how bad the winter will be when it is, right? And they also, through that, remove their ability to actually combat it when it does come, even if it's not on their watch. They're, that's their downfall. I don't know. And, you know, it could, I, you know, like, I think, you know, the best way to go about it going forward would just be to have that as another layer for why Rhaenyra wants the throne, right? She's besides just the Iron Throne is mine by rights. That's a good point. I like it. Did right. did any uh, catch on to the the whole oranges thing with Kristen Cole and like, you know, he's somewhat Dornish. It, it reminded me of uh, all of the, the, you know, the whole R and L equals J thing with the. You know, uh, you trees know. don't grow in Bravos. Yeah, yeah, yeah that. <laughs> yeah, look, we we had the tree dig. Two references. Wood, so. That's like. not a coincidence. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. I think not. Cue <laughs> Preston Jacobs. Standing up. And that's how you know this is a George R. R. Martin production. <laughs> <laughs> Too many right. food. Too much food, I mean. Too much food <laughs> reference. Right. Not oh, a single potato. The bird. He's cutting <laughs> the bird and it's like, he's just going at it. It's Whoa, Viserys, chill out. <laughs> yeah. It's oh. dead. Adventure on that table. Shut it down. Full redo. <laughs> All right. So we're we're halfway through this season, right? 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, ten years. This is ten, for ten, years. ten episodes. Yeah. So uh, we we were saying goodbye to several of the uh, younger actors and actresses in the cast. Uh, we already have seen a couple of actors switched out, right? Um, the next episode is episode six is called "The Princess and the Queen." Then Driftmark, Lord of the Tides, Green Council, Black Queen, etc. So episode nine, I think we still are assuming. I think we said this earlier. That's probably when stuff kind of goes down, and then you get kind of two episodes of like setting up all of this right for a season two. So that means we have three episodes to live with these characters, where they will interact in some way uh, before trying to kill each other. And with everything they've set up, do you guys feel that gives us enough time to kind of get to where we need to go? I think I think we're doing okay. Um, I think we're right along schedule. Yeah. I mean, I was a little concerned about some of the stuff, but now we have time to uh, explore a lot of it. Um, or, you know, they kind of had to skip some stuff and move some stuff forward. And like, I mean, I think we, we joked that like maybe they're going to do a double wedding this week. <laughs> and they almost did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they just... Very quickly, uh, Damon's wife dead. Hey, who's this? And then we can just say, yeah, you know, that all happened, right? Um, it didn't even it didn't even take that much time to kind of work that in there. So I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, I think the pace will really pick up, um, and it will be exciting, not rushing through, is what I'm hoping. I mean, we're gonna have, I think, most of the babies born. At that point, right. I'll be like, yeah, all actual children. We'll talk about this the uh, previews for the next episode. I mean, we see yeah, there's like the kids, the Jason, um, the preview. What is it that they talk about? I mean, she's she talks about how brazen it is that you know the three kids uh, don't look anything like their father. And um, it's clear that that was a strictly for the next episode and not like the next half of the season, right? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I think it, so because they didn't show any of the like older kids, right? They have I to, you know, they have to like get them born first, and then they have to like get them aged up in order to do the incident with Eamon's eye. So that's, you know, yeah. like I say, that's the next episode is just like, you know, like establishing Rhaenyra's strong babies, uh, checking in on Dana or Dateman and Lena, and yeah. you know, next episode. They kill off Lena and do the Vagar thing, probably, I guess. Probably. Yeah, yeah, episode seven's Drift Marks. That makes sense. Uh, Next episode, yeah, we're going to get all the kids. We're going to get the dragons being born and the eggs and lots of... I mean, I think the first first 20 minutes is just going to be introducing all of these new people. All these little, you know, teenagers running around and shit. Right. Having Viserys threaten to take people's tongues out. Right, right. Telling Jace, this will be yours one day, grandson. <laughs> Legitimate <the> grandsons. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm looking here at like the the poll up on the YouTube. We have, last I checked, there's nine votes. Uh, eight of them were fives, and one of them was a one, it looks like. So. It sounds like a troll. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, you remember we'd have the bowl of brown. You know, there's you can only put five options on here for some reason, so I couldn't put more options for the poll. But there were always people that were just every episode bowl of brown. And I was yeah. like, I wonder if they even saw it. Um, yeah, but I, just yeah, I guess funny. my I guess my like one worry is that like with the last seasons of Thrones that 
you know, I worry that like the last like few episodes are just going to be like shock after shock after shock. And I hope that's not like what we're going towards, but um, you know, I'm still looking forward and I'm excited to see the aged up cast and sad to see the um, other cast members go. Uh, the The person that played, um, I'm terrible with names, but the person that played Rhaenyra was like Millie Alcock. Yeah. She's awesome. I yeah. love the gal that plays the new Allison, though. She's a great actress. Oh, yeah. she. I remember her from... What was that movie called with the girl that killed the horse? Mm. It, it, it's like... It, it's a movie about like a person with no feelings and a person with feelings, and the person with feelings ends up being the bad guy. I don't. I, I have not seen that one, but um, Olivia Cook has been in. Uh, what was the one? The guy's deaf. Uh, Sound of Metal. She's good in that. Yeah. Um, she's she's been in she, She's good. Yeah. Yeah, she's really good. Um, yeah. Thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds. Oh, I haven't yes. seen that. It was really I good. Seen that. Okay. Yeah, and then the next two episodes, I will say, are uh, they're directed by um, Miguel Sapochnik. Sapochnik. Bachnik, that's how you pronounce that. Uh, yeah. Who is like one of the, he's the guy that left, I believe, right? But he was the showrunner for the first season, who isn't coming back. But he also uh, directed several of the better episodes of Game of Thrones, I think. So, it'll be interesting. We'll find out. Tune yeah. in next week. I'm just so happy that we got through a whole episode without talking about the architecture in Westeros. Really applaud us for that. But we had to talk about the orgy tapestries. Where are the aqueducts? (laughs) Um, So uh, thank you guys for joining me, and we will be back next week uh, with our thoughts on the episode, as we've been doing probably right after the episode airs, so it's kind of fresh. Um, Shocking lack of knowledge if we suck or forgot something or missed something, you know. Mention it on the Discord, put it in a comment. Uh, you know, it's always fun. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Bye. Thanks for letting Bye. me crash. Bye. Trees don't grow in bravos. Okay, never mind. Yes. <laughs> Yo, this there's strong. What a bitch. <laughs> that gossipy bitch. <laughs> I I love this. This this is this is this is some hot hot gossip stuff. <laughs>